Welcome to Running On Purpose, a weekly podcast dedicated to training the body, the mind, and the soul for what the race requires. My name is Steve Sisson, and I will be your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Running On Purpose. I'm Steve, and I'm here solo on my own this week. Um, this week, I'm, I really wanted to go through the topic of mileage and weekly mileage, how we balance weekly mileage, how we look at it, and sweet spots, what sweet spots are from a mileage perspective. It's been a long time. It's been a couple, well, it's been a good bit since I have done an episode on specific physical training. So, and the last few episodes have been on mental training. So I thought, yeah, let's let's dial this back, give you some practical applications, some things you can do with your training, and really ask you some important questions about how you're structuring and how you're looking at your training overall, and then where weekly mileage fits in that perspective. I have been a long-term proponent of the idea that mileage matters. And so what I want to do is to discuss a little bit more and nuance that position. Um, I'm not going to walk back from it because there's the attendant benefits of doing more weekly volume are um, indisputable and, um, you know, they're evidence-based. But that question of what is optimal for an individual is always much more nuanced, varied, and individual than most folks will give give credit for. And that's why I'm talking about this topic. So this week's episode is on mileage and sweet spots. So the reason I came to this particular topic this week is because I've been doing one-on-one meetings with the athletes that I work with uh, as we started our season four of our ethos group and all in preparation for spring um, marathons and spring 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. And in these meetings, one of the questions I get asked over and over again is, what should my weekly mileage be sitting at? And, you know, these are advanced level runners, some of whom I've been coaching for years, and yet they're still asking that question, what should I be sitting at from a mileage perspective? And that's not to their detriment, that is to their benefit, that they're constantly thinking about what mileage should be at. But here's the thing. Almost everybody's thinking about that from that perspective because they are comparing themselves to other people. And they're looking at their mileage as um, maybe the most important characteristic in their overall training development. And my argument is it's just the most obvious. It's the one that people can highlight and look at first. It's the question coaches and athletes ask each other most frequently, how many miles a week do you run? And while that information is useful and valuable in some ways, um, without getting the full and entire context, I think it's actually detrimental to sometimes discuss with people what people's weekly mileage are, is. Um, not that I'm trying to say to everyone, don't you know keep it secret, don't tell people. It's just more along the lines that each and every individual has a reason or should have a reason for why they're running the the exact mileage they're running on a consistent basis. And if they don't have a reason, then they're more often than not in a situation where they're comparing themselves to other people. So I'm going to, you know, one of my favorite quotes I heard recently from Jenny Simpson, I've mentioned this before, she quoted Teddy Roosevelt, 
that uh, comparison is the thief of joy. I recently found out that it's potentially likely that he ganked or thefted that particular quote from Mark Twain, who said before him that uh, comparison is the death of joy. Um, either way, you know, you get the point. Um, I like to say it a little bit differently. I like to say, stop dick measuring. Stop just using one particular component to judge your specific situation. So men, we talk about dick measuring all the time. Ladies, give me just a few minutes to go through this a little bit. Um, and yes, perhaps that is a external indicator of some specific uh, data point for sexual prowess. However, it is certainly not the only one. And it there are so many varieties, so many circumstances, so many ex individual circum individual experiences that play into the value of that particular body part um, that it doesn't do us any good to do that. Number two, dick measuring, there's nothing you can do about it, guys. It is what it is. You are literally just stuck with it. Now, that's the thing I'm talking about with weekly mileage. Here's something you can adjust, but don't use it as a way to try to determine whether or not you're most effective or you're better than another person. There are way too many other variables to come out and to come into play with this. Way too many that come into play. I'm going to go through a, a, a number of them, but I'm not even going to be able to get to the full bottom of this. The point being, stop comparing yourself to other people and look at ways that you can maximize your own individual performance within the context of your life and the balance that is in play there. Okay? So I say that as caveat, as initial um, grabber and to get your attention. So why does mileage matter? When I talk about mileage, usually I'm talking about global volume. And that means all of the running that you would do in a any given time, okay? So that could be, typically we judge our mileage in weekly volume, which is arbitrary. It's based on seven days. And we based so much of our life on some arbitrary distinction of how many days there are in a week. But here we are, right? Most of us do our specific runs that we have, whether easy runs or quality workouts or long runs on some given day. And it's just easier for almost all of us to look at and to compare and to use as valuable insight a seven-day cycle. But global volume really is about how much volume you get in a much wider, longer window of time. So in this case, could be a year, could be two to four years. And when you think about it from that perspective, this weekly volume begins to take on more of a looming presence. So let's look at this from a much larger perspective. Let's look at this from a yearly perspective. Let's say, for example, someone runs 50 miles a week on average and that they're not doing a drop week just for the arguments of, um, just for the sake of argument. So 50 miles a week times four is 200. 200 times 12 is 2,400 miles. So you're somewhere around 2,500 miles for a year. If you added 10 miles a week, you're looking at an additional mileage of 10 miles times 4 is 40. 40 times 12 is 480. That is another 500 miles 
you know, give or take, that could be added overall to the global volume. This is why people get excited about mileage because they look at that variable and they say, okay, what an easy way for me to get more attendant benefits. And we're going to talk in a second about what those benefits are, but I just wanted to make sure that everyone understands why it is so seductive, um, not just from a comparison standpoint, but also just from even within your own personal comparison standpoint to look at that number and say, 2,500 is great, but 3,000 is even better. And I get that. I'm not unaware of the um, sexiness of that particular, those numbers differences. I'm also aware of the benefits that those other 5,500 miles can get you from a, a, a physiological perspective. And I'm also very conscious of the benefits that you'll get from that psychologically. So let's go into that. What are those benefits and what are we seeing from uh, why your actual weekly mileage matters or why mileage overall matters in um, the context of your overall global volume? So physiologically, the things that are happening, number one, your heart gets stronger. Your heart gets stronger from doing this running and running makes your particular neurochemical, neurobiological, and pathways more efficient, neuromuscular pathways more efficient. Your heart gets stronger. It can do a greater stroke volume. The greater amount of stroke your heart is, stroke volume is basically a measure of the amount of blood your heart can push out into your veins, out to your working muscles, out to the rest of your body to do what it needs to do. Your blood carries oxygen. And that's how we benefit. So the stronger your heart is, the better your running is for sure. And definitely a bump in mileage absolutely will increase and benefit your heart strength and your stroke volume. Number two, your ventilatory ventilatory capacity. So basically, that's just a fancy way of saying getting the oxygen in and out of your lungs. So you have a diaphragm that takes part in this. You also have the way the lungs operate, how the lungs function and the way they function. They're, all of this improves exponentially with more miles. There is no doubt about that. So you get more oxygen in and out of your lungs to get into the bloodstream to go out to your working muscles in a simplified format. You also, through long through running and getting more miles, you increase your mitochondrial density Basically, the mitochondria are your energy producers in the cell. They Sometimes they'll call them the powerhouses of the cell. They basically um, create the actual energy necessary to run and to run at a variety of paces, to run long and hard, to run short and fast, whichever the case may be. So another area that's really important that gets benefit from these extra miles is your capillary density. So capillaries are the tiny blood vessels that transfer oxygen to your working muscles um, and to the cells. They also help in removing waste products out of your cells. So number one, they bring oxygen in and they take the waste product, i.e. lactate or any other things that accumulate in your um, bloodstream out. So your capillary density is incredibly important as well. So these four major areas, there's there's other attendant physiological benefits that go into getting more mileage. I don't want to get too down the road in the minutia of this. Um, I think that's enough of a reason for everyone to see, yes, getting more miles, 
getting your global volume up really helps. And really, most importantly in this is easy running. There are We're going to talk more about what faster running does and how you can use controlled bouts of faster running, how you're uh, how you place that mileage in your overall program matters in terms of your long runs, um, maybe medium long runs, and those kinds of things. But most importantly here for this argument is, yes, huge physiological benefits going on by getting more miles. But it's really crucial to know this, that almost all of these significant benefits in stroke volume, ventilatory capacity, mitochondria, and capillary densities most of this stuff is benefiting you at a sub-maximal level. So you have to be in a position where you're running easy and the benefits are maximized when you're running easy. You do get attendant benefits when you're running at faster paces. But when you're running at faster paces, you're actually working different parts of your physiological system. Um, and we're not going to go into that in this episode. But the most benefit you get, the crucial key components that go into your performance as a runner happen with easy running and long running, happen at paces that are submaximal. Why do we run at harder paces? Because we are trying to be specifically prepared for the race that we want to run, or we want to stress the body in a wide variety of ways to help it adapt to various stresses that might come into play in our races. And so, all that we're doing when we're running quality work or speed work is to benefit our economy and or our ability, our resilience in the specific arena of the race distances that we're trying to run. So the lion's share of benefit that you're getting from your running generally is in the easy running area. I think it's really important to understand that. So how does this have anything to do with mileage? Well, it just talks about why mileage matters so much when you add more miles a week more often than not people already have their prescribed quality workouts if they're doing them and their prescribed long runs if they're doing them and so a bump in weekly mileage typically is easy running and if it's that easy running space that means that they're getting all of these crucial and key physiological benefits from it so anyway keep that in mind too that it is important to be going easy. So another benefit of getting in your getting in more miles is your programming of your nervous system. So this is both your central nervous system and your peripheral nervous system. Central nervous system is so critical. It's your brain and the spinal column and the work that it does is basically sends signals out from the brain complex through the spinal cord, out through your neurons to try to um, get messages to your muscles. Okay, that's how we—that's how that process works. It's an extremely simplified version of it, but here it is. When we talk about the brain, so many times we think we're talking about mental training, but the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system are so crucial to how you perform as a runner and running more miles. And running miles at a wide variety of paces helps you so much. Um, it helps you because the greater number of neurons, now your neurons attach to your muscles and you get more neurons from running easy and running, right? So you've got a greater number of neurons that attach to your muscle. You have a stronger connection of those neurons to the muscle. And then the quicker the messaging goes between the brain 
to the muscle. And then the more of that muscle actually gets recruited. So the percentage of muscle recruitment is greater. And guess what happens? You get faster. So this is crucial. The central nervous system, the peripheral nervous system works better when you run more miles because these neural pathways are opened up and they are working and functioning in a much more efficient and consistent way. Um, you get more and you get better and they communicate better and you get faster. So those are some of the physiological reasons why we run more mileage. Um, and I think there's some psychological reasons as well. I think that these are probably not as um, communicated. Everyone wants to hear these scientific evidence-based reasons for why we see it. And that almost always seems to sit in the body. But as you know, if you're a listener to this podcast, I also like to talk about the mind. And some of the mindset slash psychological benefits from this additional mileage are relaxation. Because most of this work that you're doing is submaximal, you're feeling better. You are relaxing on those runs. And what happens when that happens is that you get a greater dump of endorphins. You're feeling better. Um, that feeling better sends positive juju, positive energy all the way throughout your entire body. It makes your day better. There's just no doubt about it. Everybody knows that those special miles, those miles that feel good, um, and they so benefit your overall mindset. And the more miles you run, the more opportunity you have to have those kinds of experiences. Another thing is there's something about this easy running and submaximal running. Um, and even if you want to discuss it from a from a fast perspective or the, you know, what quality workouts you might be doing, there's a mindfulness aspect to this. Now, I'm not a big fan of current the current mindfulness um, overwhelming interest in this area. I, I am excited about the overwhelming interest because it just means that people are paying more attention. But basically, mindfulness is just another way of saying being aware of your present moment. Um, and so anything that we can do that will benefit that, I'm a fan of. I just get a little sideways with the idea of mindfulness as if it's just something that sits in a particular point of time in your life rather than being overall in all of your life. And one of the ways that you get it to be overall in all of your life is by running miles. And so the more miles you run, the greater ability to be mindful if you're working on that aspect in your running. Now, this is an important point. You have to be able to get and be aware of your present moment in running. And I think almost everybody who's listening to this has had moments where they were just absolutely present in that moment for the work that was being done. Running in some way, shape, or form seems to give us a point to focus on or to not focus on. And it allows us just to be in our body, allows us to kind of not think so much about our everyday world, our all of our attendant stresses and worries and to-do lists and all those other things. And we're able to be aware of our present moment and are running in that present moment. And so therefore, the more miles you run, the more likely you are to be mindful, to have more mindfulness in your life. Yes, I would love to see everyone being mindful at all times, but we've got to start somewhere. And running more miles means that there's more opportunity for you to be mindful. Another thing that happens with more miles is you increase your body's ability to signal, and then you're able to pick up that signal, 
we just talked about the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system and their importance in this. But it also requires you to have a user experience of those signals and for you to listen to your body. All of our bodies have a unique language. When we say, I don't, I feel X, I feel like I have a headache or I feel like I have a stomach ache or I feel tired. We understand in, built into that statement is that you're having an individual personal experience. We generally know what stomach aches are. We generally know what headaches are. But when someone tells you they have a headache, you don't have a headache. You just know they are. That experience that that individual has of their headache is a signaling process. Yes, it's a negative one. But when we're running, we have all kinds of signals going on. And learning to listen to your body is one of the most crucial, crucial skill sets that you can gain as a runner. And I'll have another episode at some other point about how to um, get better at listening to your body and steps and um, things that you can do to do so. But just know now that that's one of the other attendant benefits of doing more miles is that you're getting better at listening to your body. You're better at listening to the language that it speaks. And the body's language is not the same language as the English language. It's not even rational language. It has some other kind of signaling. And so we have to get better at speaking the body's language. Um, again, I'll talk about this in another episode at some other point. But just know that that's another piece of the benefits of getting more mileage in. Um, also, there's something else that happens with running. And perhaps it's that endorphin dump that uh, benefits you when you get that runner's high. But I think it's also there's a lot of times where maybe you have more benefits or different benefits than what happens with endorphins. You have this experience of finding flow, right? That time when um, you're in that mindful space of presence and act actively being aware of your present moment, and then things get easier. They just go better. And you're um, it's a mix of the endorphin. It's a mix of having the ability to signal and listen to your body signals. It's a mix of having the awareness of your present moment and knowing on what's going in there. But finding that flow, what I like to call the running magic, that's the magic of running. It doesn't happen all the time. And a lot of times it feels like perhaps we're, we're, um, we're always straining to get that. We have two sort of divergent purposes in our running for most of us. One is to get faster and to see um, better results. And the other is to kind of tap into this elusive flow or running magic space. And the more miles you run, the more likely you are to get into that space. All of this, really, all of these things, the physiology, the psychology, the mindset, they're all basically trying to create positive feedback loops to turn your overall training spiral upwards. Okay? So that's the important part. What we're doing is we're trying to take our training experience the various kinds of work that we do in our training, whether quality, long runs, easy runs, recovery runs, speed economy, whatever kind of running you're doing, we want to be sure that that work is taking a upward spiraling motion, slowly moving the spiral upward, moving the spiral upward in terms of your facility, physiologically, moving the spiral upward in terms of your ability to stay connected and feeling good about your running, turning that spiral upward in terms of it benefiting the rest of your life and creating a better life space. And so that's what I want to talk about with the rest of this episode. Yes, all of those 
initial benefits I just talked about are crucial for doing more mileage. But we have to look at this in a balanced way. So let me play the devil's advocate for just a little bit. There are reasons why more mileage is not always better. While you get those physiological benefits, and I cannot deny the fact that the higher your mileage is, the, the sooner you will achieve those. So if you run a lower volume, it'll take you longer to get the benefits. So again, going back to that math I did about a 50-mile-a-week runner who decides to run 60 miles a week, they will run 500 miles in a year more than they would have run otherwise. And there are benefits to that. They're just, they're just no way to argue it. However, there's a cost-benefit analysis that I think is really crucial to play in here. So cost-benefit analysis comes from generally from economics, um, probably comes from other areas. And those of you who are in uh, the engineering and or economic fields can tell me where it originated from. But I've been using this for many, many years in terms of thinking about why volume is useful. So in every choice that you make, um, you have a benefit and a cost. I like to say everything costs something. Nothing is free. Um, and so anytime that you make a choice of any type, there'll be a benefit to it and there'll be a cost to it. Of course, there's some things that are way more beneficial and there's some things that are that are, are way more costly. But in the long run, what we're doing evolutionarily is trying to run the right to try to thread our thread through the eye of this needle of getting it just right in all areas of our lives. And I think with running, so many times we are focused on this one characteristic of weekly mileage or overall global mileage that we're missing the point of what the benefits and what the benefits can be from lower volume and what the costs are, importantly, for a higher volume. So while you get those benefits, you also have to look at the costs of that higher mileage, okay? And I think for many people, they they don't look over their whole system to see what costs um, are there. And basically, the cost is stress. That's the main thing, okay? Stress is a necessary and essential component of training. It's also a necessary and essential component of life. However, what we're looking to do is to try to find the right balance between stresses and their benefits. And for me, mileage is one that that 500 miles a week for our 50 mile a week runner is, is not worth other issues that might come into play. Number one, how is someone's life benefited? Are you stressed out? Are you losing sleep? Are you exhausted? Are you teetering toward the edge of injury? Okay, that might be coming from some other place. But for most of the people that I know, the accumulative load of an additional 10 miles per week, or let's say 20 miles per week, can cost more than it's worth. It is less optimal to be tired and beat up. You teeter on the edge of injury, getting yourself closer and closer to the edge of where a setback of 
let's say taking two weeks or three weeks, or let's say you get a stress injury, like a bone stress injury, and you have six weeks to two months, do the math on that. Do the math on how many miles per week you lost. So that's if for our 50 mile a week example, that's basically 400 miles less that they got in because they were out for eight weeks. Well, that's exactly what you gained. So is it worth it? Is it worth the risk to get the benefit? To say nothing of what eight weeks costs you in terms of your emotional stability, in terms of your life balance, in terms of all the other... I mean, I don't need to tell people. Anybody who's been on a long-term injury break, they will tell you there is no way overall that that 400, that 500 miles is worth it. And somebody will say, well, but those, you, Steve can't track that those 10 miles a week more were what teetered me over the edge into injury. No, but I can tell you for sure that the greater amount of stress creates a, a an emotional cost. The emotional cost puts us in a absolutely terrible place in terms of our health. So consider that. What And then let's just talk about if that higher mileage makes you less fun to be around or affects your levels of sleep. So now you're exhausted during your day. Now you're interfacing with the people that you love in a negative place because you got 10 miles a week more or 20 miles a week more. What about the other attendant costs? Maybe not being able to attend um, your uh, your wife's something your wife has or not going to a wedding or not being at a child's soccer game, or what other things that you may have going on, not communicating or having fun with friends. Yeah, we, we, we need to run the balance of where the costs and the benefits sit. What is best for you? Okay. So the thing is, you need to know that there are always costs and benefits for the mileage you're doing, and you want to be sure that that's playing out. So if your costs outweigh the benefits, you'll start a downward, negative downward spiral. And this is what I was talking about before. All of your training should be using you, helping you attain a greater forward spiral, upward spiral motion. And when the costs outweigh the benefits, you're starting a negative downward spiral. It'll spiral, that spiral, negative spiral will affect every one of your runs. It'll affect your ability to adapt to the runs, especially in the quality sessions. So now your quality sessions are being uh, significantly Im- impacted in a negative way. The net loss overall is that you feel terrible. And again, your emotional health is way more important than any other single thing when it comes overall to healing, recovery, recuperation, and performance. People don't realize that. The emotions play in all aspects of what's going on in our body. And while our thoughts are rational, our emotions are not. They are not rational. And so we want to be in the right space from a cost-benefit analysis on our overall training and where weekly volume plays in here is does that tip you over? And in many cases, my experience over all the years I've had as as a coach is that weekly volume is primarily the greatest culprit for negative feedback loops. The second worst culprit is inappropriate paces, not knowing your paces and running too hard um, for too long. But that's a topic for another episode. So um, now you can hear why there are 
why there are significant costs to running your volume that high and significant costs to um, not having it right. So it, it's really not about where the volume sits. It's about where that volume sits for you. And here comes the most important part. There is no optimal weekly volume for anybody. Now, when I ran um, professionally, I trained with Coach Hill in Alamosa, Colorado, and he would say um, everyone's sweet spot is 100 miles a week. Um, of course, when he said that, he was talking about elite professional runners. If I ran 100 miles a week, it would be detrimental to me. If you ran 100 miles a week, 99.9% of the people listening to this podcast, you would not benefit. So how can Coach Hill, who's an incredibly well-respected coach and an exercise physiologist to boot, how can he make that statement? Because he's know he's talk, he knows he's talking to a subset, a specific subset. So you can't take that information and immediately bring it into your life. You have to balance that with all the other things going on in your life, okay? So you have to look at it from a one-to-one perspective, your personal perspective. Yes, the more miles you run, the more physiological benefits there are and some attendant psychological benefits, mindset benefits. But do those benefits outweigh the cost of running your body down, getting into exhaustion and grumpiness, taking you to the edge of injury, and all of the other aspects that create negative feedback loops that start your training spiral downward. So one thing I want to talk about, there's a couple, so that's the overall, that's the overall gist of this episode. I want to go into a few points that are sort of like, maybe somebody might say a Q&A that somebody might ask me. So here's one question I get asked a lot of times. Um, what are, I hear about junk miles. What are junk miles? Personally, I don't think there's any such thing as junk miles. In my viewpoint, whatever miles you run, there is blood flow, and that blood flow creates healing, even at faster paces, as long as your overall system is not stressed. That's a key, key caveat there. As long as your overall system isn't stressed, you get huge benefits from just getting out and moving. And so really, you get a lot of benefit from just walking out the door and running. That's the blood flow aspect. There's mental benefit of going out and doing work. All of us know that a day that we run is a better day. Almost all of us have that feeling unless we absolutely need a rest day. So junk miles really don't play out because we get such a mental benefit from them. Now, number thresholds are kind of a part of the way that most of you decide that you've had a good week or a good month or a good year. These number thresholds are that weekly mileage, that monthly mileage, that yearly mileage. And because those numbers matter to you, then ultimately they help. If they don't matter to you, like they don't to me, I don't give two shits. I don't keep a weekly volume. I don't keep monthly volume. I certainly don't keep yearly volume. I have no idea what that is. That's just me. I've never really paid that much attention. And anytime I did pay attention, I knew it was because I was dick measuring. I was comparing myself to other people, not because I knew it was optimal. Now I spend most of my time listening to what my body says. I'll take two days off. Sometimes I'll run seven days in a row. It all varies, but I do know that I'm very unusual in that regard and that most of you are on Strava and you're looking at your weekly volume and you know others are looking at your weekly volume. Yes, I would rather you not get into that comparison mode, that dick measuring mode, but I also know that it is part of, it can also be beneficial. 
Kristen told me this at one point. She, I was arguing vehemently in um, another podcast I've been on. I was arguing all constantly about gerbling. Gerbling is this um, running in a parking lot or adding just a little tiny bit of mileage so you can get a clean number. Maybe let's say you're at, at you're doing an eight mile run and you're at seven point eight five miles and you run point one five more to get that additional clean eight point I call that gerbling. The reason it's gerbling to me is because your Garmin, your device that you're measuring it with is cannot be accurate. And let's say that you're out on a road measuring it with your car. That's not accurate either. So you have no fucking earthly idea exactly how far you ran. So it's all arbitrary and generally meaningless, except that you find meaning in it. So therefore, if you find meaning in it, it's beneficial. So I had to revise my view of gerbling because it matters if it matters to you. So I also have folks that I work with who streak. Streakers are those people who run subsequent days in a row. I have athletes who are at the 200, you know, 300, 600 straight days of running. And that matters to them. And because it matters to them, there's no way that I could say that those are junk miles. They're not junk miles if they bring general happiness to you. They're not junk miles if you're running them nice and easy and they help your body. However, what is your overall global volume and how does that global volume, your weekly, monthly, and yearly volume, play into how your body's recovering, recuperating, and is it helping you stay in this upward spiral of your training? So another question I get frequently is, what about my long runs? What are the value of long runs in terms of your weekly volume? And what about medium long runs? And I want to talk about this relatively quickly. Uh, this, these Both of these two topics could be individual podcasts on their own. Um, you know, the long run has so many benefits and there are ways to really screw it up. But, you know, the longer you're out, generally, these are the basic ideas behind why long runs are important. The longer you're out, the more adaptations you get. And the more adaptations you get, the fitter you become. There seems to be, and I don't have the evidence-based data on this, so if you're looking for it, do some searching and find it yourself. But there seems to be, anecdotally, from my experience, more and greater attendant benefits for longer periods of time that you're out. So that means that you're getting greater benefits um, at 90 minutes than you get for 30 minutes. And the next 30 minutes that you might run to two hours means you're doubling, maybe even tripling the physiological adaptations, the psychological benefits, and all the other attendant magic juju that happens when we run longer. So it's good for you. It's absolutely good for you. And I like to make the argument that bumping your long run mileage up in smaller numbers is so much more valuable for these reasons that I just articulated than necessarily getting your weekly mileage up. So what am I talking about there? So let's say that you're a 12 to 14 mile long run person and uh, you generally are running half marathons, 5Ks and 10Ks and you're like, my race isn't any further than that distance so why would I need to run further than that? And the reason I'm going to argue that it would be incredibly beneficial for you is that those extra benefits from going, let's say, from 12 miles to 16 or from 14 miles to 18, that means you're usually out there for another 20, 30, 40 minutes, maybe longer, depending on how, how what your pace per mile is. And that benefit is so great. And it's even greater, let's say those four miles that I'm talking about, because of those doubling and tripling of benefits being out further and longer 
they are greater than the 10 or 15 miles a week you might try to squeeze in otherwise. So for someone who's got a time crunch, someone who's looking at how can I optimize my my volume benefit, the benefit of my volume rather than just getting up my weekly miles, add, a long, add more distance to your long run. That will immediately have a huge beneficial effect. Now, I've heard argument that after three hours, you're starting to get a detrimental effect to your long running. I'm not sure I absolutely agree with that, but I do understand the concept. I, I heard about this from Ed Eyestone, the multi-time Olympian. And um, although he doesn't coach Jared Ward, he's hugely influential on Jared Ward's results and performances because he was his college coach. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think that there could be some... That's another topic for another day about the benefits of three hour plus runs. But most of us aren't really in that zone. Well, some of you are, but just that's another thing just to think about. If you're out over three hours, there might be an extra and additional cost that would not make it worthwhile. And so therefore you might want to run a little more mileage in the week. I don't know. Again, this is a one-to-one -one scenario. Each of you will have your own particular circumstance and situation balancing between your work stress, your life stress, your um, weekly volume, your age, your goals, the race distances you're running, all of these things play in and have an important part of it. So let's talk about the medium long run. Now, I have been a huge fan of the medium long run for a long time. And over the last year or so, I've begun to start to backpedal from why a medium long run is valuable and necessary. Um, and the main reason for why I think that a medium long run isn't beneficial is that for people who run, say, 50, 55, 60 miles a week or more, the cost of getting that medium long run in is usually higher than the benefit of those miles are on the stress, overall stress um, effect of those. So especially for people who are running um, quality workouts, speed economy workouts, quality long runs, long runs. You don't need an additional hard day. And I think medium long run days are hard, even if they're not hard physiologically, because of the scheduling of them, the logistics of them, the extra time they take to get in, they're stressful in some way, shape or form they're stressful. And so what I argue is, hey, if you're running 50 plus miles a week, um, you're probably your daily volume load is high enough that an extra two miles on there is probably more cost than it is benefit. So consider that and look at that for yourself. Now, those of you who are maybe in a base building phase or folks who are not doing quality oh, and you're running more than 50 miles a week, oh, hell yeah, do your, do your medium long run. You need it. Like it, It's going to make a, a great benefit for you. The reason I pull medium long runs out sometimes for folks is because I think that they're stressing their body too much and that medium long run day becomes another additional hard day on a weekly schedule that has too many hard days to boot already, okay? So consider that. All right, so I'll also talk a lot about when we talk about weekly mileage, I talk about sweet spots. And somebody's asked me, so what's a sweet spot? So a sweet spot is your optimal peak volume. So that's the weekly volume that you can hold consistently. That's sustainable over the long haul. That balances your work stress, your life stress, all of the stresses that go on that help you in taking that training in an upward spiral. Sweet spots are individual and they're not the same for everybody. So if somebody wants to break three hours for a marathon, 
and they want to do it on the same day at the same location, that does not mean that 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 five athletes that I coach do that might run five different weekly mileage volumes. Why? Because of all those other factors that come into play into why that volume is best for them, why it's their sweet spot. You will find your sweet spot if you give yourself time. I usually argue that it's like 12 to 24 months for someone to kind of dial in appropriately their sweet spot. So how do you do it? Number one, I just said you got to take time. It takes you 12, 24 months to dial it in. You've got to start where you are right now. So listen to your body and adjust what's needed. So if you're at, let's say, 40 miles a week and you want to think about going to a 50 mile per week, maybe 50 miles per week is your sweet spot, then take two, three, four weeks to get yourself up that additional 10 miles. Maybe it's five mile jumps. I usually recommend five mile jumps for people. I find that once you're over 40 miles a week, that a two and a half mile jump just seems to be logistically challenging. And for almost everybody, they benefit from, um, they, they can go in five mile chunks. So you jump five miles and then hold that for a week or two, and then jump another five miles and hold it for a week or two. And then pay attention. Is anything being affected? Okay. What is being affected? Listen to your body. Listen to those signals. What is going on in your nervous system? What's going on in your sleep? What's going on in your recovery? Is your quality runs being impacted by this greater mileage? If they are, go back down, okay? You go back down and give it two or three more weeks back at the other volume that you were just at that wasn't problematic. If we're at 40 miles a week and we go to 45 and we're fine and we go to 50 and we start having problems, go back to 45 and sit there. Sit there for six months, eight months, 12 months. And then after that window of time, when you've got an appropriate base phase or an appropriate period of time where you're not trying to get faster at the same time that you're trying to get stronger, bump your mileage up. So you can, you can find your sweet spot by just testing things out. So how do you safely raise your weekly volume? This is another question I get. And the easiest and best way to safely raise your weekly mileage is to add a day of running. So those of you who are at um, four miles a week, four days of running a week, add a fifth day of running week at five miles of that day, and bam, you've got a five-mile bump in mileage. So those of you who are at five miles, move up to six. You can get an, an attendant benefit from getting that extra mileage just by putting that extra day in. And as long as that day is relaxed and easy and recovery, and you're running easy running, it's oxygenating. It's helping your, your nervous system recover. It's helping your blood flow. It's helping everything get better because you're running more. Um, if you're at six miles a week, I usually say to people, this is a really individual situation. Some people do better at six mile, days a week. Some people do better at seven days a week. Everybody's a little different. I like five, six days a week. Um, I've got athletes I work with who need to run seven days a week and they feel better at it. I've got streakers who run hundreds of days in a row. So really that's individual. But if you're at a lower number of days that you're running, the easiest, simplest, safest way is to jump up your mile is to add a day of running. Another thing that you want to think about when you want to safely raise your mileage, as I talked about already, is those 10 mile jumps in 12 to 24 month blocks. So looking at it and saying, oh, I'm at 60 miles a week and I think maybe 70 miles a week will be good for me. Well, sit at that 60 miles a week for 
a long period of time. Wait until you go into a base phase. Wait until you go into a phase where you're not trying to be acquisitional with your paces, where you're not trying to get faster with your paces, and you will be in a safe place. Which brings up the next point. Don't add mileage and faster paces at the same time. Okay? If you're going to bump your mileage up, bump it up in a base phase. Bump it up in a time where you're not going to be stressing. Okay, bump it at a t- up at a time when you're not looking at a command performance event in the next three, four, six months. Okay, let your body take the time to accumulate the benefits of that mileage jump. Again, another thing is never be afraid to fall back or repeat a week. Any time that you've been building your mileage up to get extra miles in a week, whatever you do, know that you can step back and or repeat a week, you don't need to stay on a consistent upward progression of mileage. If you do that and it doesn't work and the cost outweighs the, outweighs the benefits, you will begin a negative feedback downward spiral of your training, which we do not want to do. Okay. So never be f- afraid to fall back or repeat. So the most important thing is to get this right. It's more important to get it right than it is important to get your mileage up. Okay. So Really crucial stuff there. All right. So weekly volume and true potential. (laughs) This is, I've heard this before. So if I run more miles, it will allow me to reach my true potential. Okay. Well, I'm telling you right now, there are so many variables that go into play for someone to just improve by five minutes in a marathon or one minute in a 10K that there is no way that your weekly volume has that much to do with your true potential, okay? Your true potential is going to be impacted by your sleep, by your work stress. If you work a 40-hour week, you are not going to get to your quote-unquote true potential. If you work a 60-hour week, you are not going to get to your true potential, and that's okay. You're not a professional runner. If you were a professional runner, you could look into getting to your true potential, okay? What you're trying to do is get better, to learn more, to benefit much more from this running experience, okay? It, it, you are not going to necessarily get to your true potential. And I think we give this weekly volume number way too much credit as a single variable in the overall complex, crazy mix that our running is. So many other things more important and more likely to create benefits than a 10 mile or 15 mile a week bump in mileage. So you want to find your sweet spot and settle in. That will allow you to explore more opportunities for how to affect your potential and your performance. Find your sweet spot and you can start playing with other things. How easy are your easy runs? How fast are your easy runs? How fast can you run for your easy runs? Those are lots of questions. What kinds of workouts do you genetically benefit more? Do you get a greater benefit from tempo runs? Do you get a greater benefit from speed economy? Do you get a better better benefit from VO2 max type workouts? What is your potential benefit from a particular kind of workout? Do you... Um, in your sweet spot settling in, do you sleep better? And therefore your body recuperates and recovers significantly better because sleep is where we recover and we recuperate. 
Could you spend time in your sweet spot and then work on nutritional questions? Are there ways for you to optimize what you're eating and how you're eating? Are you are you following a whole food um, organic type diet? Something that would benefit you much more greatly from getting your entire operating system to function better because of the nutritional choices you made rather than bumping 10 miles a week up. So yeah, you can get your true potential by not fucking with your weekly mileage because your weekly mileage could create more costs than benefits. All right, so I want to finally answer a question that somebody asked me that is, if I had to pick a weekly volume that was optimal for the most number of people, what would it be? And I, I really hesitated to answer that and I even hesitated to place that that question in this podcast. But what the fuck? If I'm not providing significant, um, if I'm not providing actionable and, you know, practical advice, then what good is it? Right. So if I were taking an athlete that was generally happy about everything else that they were doing, and I could say that the attendance stresses and or costs would not be greater than the benefits, I would say 50 to 60 miles a week. And if I was held even more tightly down, I'd say 55 miles a week and six days of running a week is probably optimal for the greatest number of people. That's for 800 meter runners to marathoners. Um, ultra marathoners, it's a different scenario. If you run less than 800, 800 meters, then you're not listening to this podcast. So yeah, stuck to a wall, pinned to the wall. What numbers would I choose? I would choose five to six days a week and 55 miles a week. And I would adjust that days of the week, five to six, depending on you. Um, that just happens to fit almost perfectly where I run. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. But I do think the anecdotal evidence over many, many, many years of running is that anybody that's running 80, 90 miles a week, the costs of that mileage are probably not worth what the benefits are, unless they're professional. Um, if they're running that weekly mileage, what are they giving up in their life that could be attendant and greater benefit than those extra five miles or 10 miles or 15 miles a week? So, but again, I would first answer that question of what is the optimal mileage per week, it would be what is optimal for you. I coach some um, two people who are pretty serious CrossFitters. CrossFit is an incredibly important part of who they are and what they do from a training perspective and life perspective. And so they run 35 miles a week because they run three or four days a week. Well, that makes sense. Three to four days a week, 35 miles, that's a lot of miles. And then they spend a lot of time working on other things. I work with triathletes who swim and cycle. Their volume of those distances are so much higher that trying to run more than say 30 miles or 40 miles a week is just way too much. They're getting that in three or four days a week. So yeah, that would be the case. Someone who's running 70, seven days a week and they're trying to run, let's say two hours and 20 minutes or two hours and 30 minutes, they're going to benefit from 65, 70, 80 miles a week. They probably are. And they're probably going to have the ability to handle that from a stress perspective. However, if I found somebody who was a 220 marathoner who also um, worked a full-time job, I would probably argue for more like 65 to 70 miles a week. I just think that's going to be better for them. So again, you all have to make that individual decision yourselves and then you need to find your sweet spot and you need to hold it for an extended period of time. And then you want to play in that sweet spot with all the other variables and all the other things that could be of benefit to you. 
I mean, there are hundreds of variables that go into play that are important enough for your overall race results on any given command performance. And your weekly volume is only one of those variables. And in my opinion, it is lower on the value scale than sleep, than stress minimization, than speed economy, than your quality volume, your variability of the different paces you run. So yeah, it's important, but it is not more important than anything else. So let's stop making it the holy grail. Let's stop making it the most important thing. And let's stop measuring ourselves against weekly volume. Your weekly volume is your weekly volume. And hopefully you found it in a way that works for you. And if you haven't, I've given you some actionable items that you can take to try to help you benefit from that and how to build that mileage up to help you find your sweet spot. So I hope this episode was awesome for you. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, I have a, uh, we, I have a brand new, um, group starting. It's a free podcast group. It's called base building. It, um, will go into much more detail about, um, how you can take your weekly volume and find it in a, in a, in a healthy and happy way. So if you're someone who is trying to improve your training, I like to say that you're already at, let's say 15, 20, maybe 25 miles a week but you want to either A, stretch yourself to get more weekly volume and to get in a place where you can start adding quality workouts, but you don't know where to start, join this base building program. What I'm doing is creating a, a, a program that will hit different weekly mileages. So folks from 30 all the way to 60 or 70 miles a week, help you find your sweet spot, build up to it, settle into it, and then hold it for an extended period of time. Say, three, four, six, eight weeks to allow you to get all the attendant benefits from where that sits. So if you're looking for guidance and you're looking for help, I've got a free group and you can find it at www.tellusrunning.com backslash Basecamp. The program is called Basecamp. Um, if you don't have a need for it, but you know somebody else that does, send them over. Again, it's free. It'll be 12 weeks. It'll mimic the uh, programming I do with my ethos group. That's um, a paid group. And uh, someone might find it beneficial. Once those 12 weeks are through, it'll just sit on my website as a go-to resource for anybody that wants a safe and efficient and helpful way to build their volume up to get to the base and sweet spot from a volume perspective that they need. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you all have a great day and take care.